0: Welcome to Vegas Inc. Radio. I'm Dylan Goldberg, host of the show and business editor of Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. Over the next half hour, we'll be discussing a big tourism convention that landed in Las Vegas last week, and a local entrepreneur's take on the uh, tie for men. But first, we'll turn our attention to sexual harassment in Las Vegas. Joining us now is reporter Rick Vallada. Welcome, Rick.
1: Thanks for having me, Dylan.
0: So now you had a great uh, Vegas Inc. cover story recently uh, looking at sex and power and sexual harassment specifically. And your premise was sort of asking the question that in, in Vegas, as we all know, there's showgirls, there's the card flickers on the strip, you can't really escape the sexually fueled atmosphere. Is sexual harassment in normal everyday workplaces more prevalent as a result?
1: Well, you know, I, I think that when when people just ask that question of themselves, they would say, of course it is. I mean, with everything that's out there and you know, you, you mentioned all the things that that uh, we that we see every day. Uh, that doesn't even begin to mention some of the signs that you see that advertise all these various a- activities. It's all around us, it's everywhere. So I-, I think the everyday individual would say, yes, it must be like a hotbed of sexual harassment cases. Well, the, the reality is, is that, yes, there is a little bit more than the average, but not as much as one would think. Uh, maybe about a couple percentage points higher. Uh, here in Las Vegas, than there would be in, in any other workplace, and I, I think part of the reason for that is that when you talk about uh, what sexual harassment is, it's more about control and power over somebody, as opposed to something, uh, uh, you know, s- something that that uh, would would raise uh, some some people's. Uh, individual feelings about one another. So, it, it, I mean, that's the way sexual harassment ends up going, but at the same time, uh, it's more about power of a boss over a, over, an, over an employee as opposed to the other.
0: And I thought it was really interesting that you looked at some of the biggest cases locally in recent years, and we'll get to those, but um, it wasn't necessarily in a strip club or a bar or even a casino. I mean, although there are cases of that, it was mostly... People who it sounds like had dated at you know an office and had a bad breakup or had issues and that 's where these cases tend to stem stem from
1: you 're exactly right that's that's uh, one of the things that that's kind of surprised me when I was actually researching the story was because you know our our tourism industry and our resorts that have a lot of these um, you know costumes on on employees that uh, are sexually charged you know, you'd think that maybe that would be something that would would, would create a sexual harassment uh, environment. But the reality is, is that this happens at uh, car dealerships and at retail stores and at uh, service industries all around that have absolutely nothing to do with the resort industry. And I think that's also the reason why um, we're only slightly higher than the average nationally, is because these types of things also happen in Common everyday office uh, situations across the United States.
0: Absolutely, and I thought it was also interesting that I, I guess I hadn't thought of it in this way. Not only are is a victim at risk for sexual harassment from colleagues, bosses, but customers as well.
1: Well, yeah, and that's and that is where the uh, the the Las Vegas angle comes in because um, and one of the attorneys that that I spoke to about this uh, topic. Uh, was telling me that, uh, you know, when you have uh, somebody who's in a, a suggestive costume and then you throw in the alcohol element when people lose their inhibitions, or maybe you have some people who have just lost a bunch of money at the uh, in the casino and they have a bad attitude to begin with, uh, this is where some of the elements of, of customer on employee sexual harassment occurs. And that's just as serious as a, as any instance where a a boss uh, and a, a, a coworker uh, might be uh, involved in something. So it's something that uh, that I think that the human resources uh, individuals in our community are always on the watch for. and And perhaps the reason why we don't see more of it in the resort community is because these are large corporations. These are companies that have a lot of risk out there and certainly they're going to have everything in place in order to prevent any kind of a sexual harassment situation from occurring. Now, of course, w- when it does occur, it's incumbent upon the, uh, the, the company or its uh, human resources information people to, uh, to to get to the bottom of things immediately and to put a stop to it, and that's part of uh, the the problem in some sexual harassment cases is that Uh, some things that occur tend to linger or they just keep going on and on. And that's when uh, companies start to get into trouble over this.
0: And in terms of legality, um, I mean, on both sides, I'm sure there's tons of fraudulent sexual harassment cases and legitimate ones, but it's all about... The response and documentation. So, just because somebody acts inappropriately doesn't mean you're going to take your company to court and win a million dollars. It has to be a pattern, right?
1: Absolutely, uh, it's something that uh, that it's. In fact, that's part of the process when when an individual uh, makes the decision to file a, a, a sexual harassment case. Uh, when they uh, when they go into it, they have to just just document, just about every example. And they have to show what measures they have taken to prevent it. Uh, Have they gone to a supervisor and complained? Have they uh, uh, talked to the supervisor's supervisors to complain about the fact that maybe something wasn't done in the first place? All these steps need to be taken before any kind of an action is going to be taken by some of the regulators who oversee these areas of law.
0: And in terms of the employer, if an employer in good faith gets a complaint and talks to the employee, separates them, does whatever, you know, more training, whatever things they can do to try and prevent this, they're protecting themselves. That's a defense?
1: That, that's that's part of it, certainly. And um, something that you had mentioned uh, prior, the, the, the pattern that uh, if, if, if there's a, a way to, to uh, end that pattern... Uh, certainly, that is a, a solution to the the issue right off the top. But uh, if it uh, if um, a supervisor does not do this, uh, that's when they're going to set themselves up for some more serious violations. And the more serious it gets, the more uh, it, it becomes a problem that might be actionable and worthy of a, of an award by a court.
0: And um, that's a good segue. Um, <laughs> I mean, we hear nationally about these multi million dollar cases. Have we had? Cases to that degree locally, and how common are they?
1: Well, uh, around here, some of these types of cases occur. Uh, you know, uh, the, the really big, high-profile cases. You might see something like that like uh, once or twice in a year. But but you have to understand that there are uh, dozens of of cases that that come through uh, the regulatory side. And this is the EEOC. The um, Uh, federal office that that handles uh, sexual harassment cases, or uh, the state office, which is its um, uh, pretty pretty much a comparable organization, the uh, Nevada Equal Rights Commission. Both of these uh, organizations, they kind of work together uh, so that they're not duplicating efforts, and they actually have different jurisdictions. The uh, Nevada office obviously has jurisdiction over uh, the entire state, uh, while the EEOC office here in Las Vegas just uh, manages uh, uh, th- three or four, three or four counties in the southern end of the state, and then the northern side is handled by another office, I believe in San Francisco. So uh, it's it's one of those things where they they coordinate, and when they uh, uh, you know they'll, they'll ask all the questions, they'll make sure that the the alleged victims have. Uh, have done their due diligence in in documenting everything. They uh, make sure that the alleged victims also have gone through all the steps to prevent any further actions from occurring. And then uh, what they do is if there is an action that um, uh, is egregious and that there's something that needs to be done to punish the company that is uh, uh, hiring a harasser or, or has employed a harasser, then they will take it to court, and that's when you start to get into some of these big um, uh, civil penalties that are paid by by companies. And you're right. They, they do get into the uh, thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars.
0: Now, you talked to uh, several lawyers who represent both employers and employees. Any takeaways that um, we haven't talked about about what you should do to protect yourself on either side?
1: Well, uh um, you know, one of the things that the, um, um, the the attorneys that I spoke to that that uh, defend uh, the workplace, the ones that uh, do that, they say, you know, always, you know, prevention is the key, and prevention means to have um, a sexual harassment policy in place and to make sure that everybody understands what it means and how to file a complaint. Um, so the prevent uh, defense is probably the best defense. Uh, once, once the uh, uh, that is in place, then you can start asking questions about uh, whether somebody fell down on the job and did not uh, follow the policy, or if somebody uh, is uh, uh, trying to abuse the policy. So that that's on the uh, uh, employee employer side. On the employee side, uh, of course. Um, these attorneys are also going to be very aggressive at learning all the specific details uh, about the cases, and you know some of the the uh, big challenges that that uh, occur to some of these uh, employee uh, attorneys is to make sure that um, uh, that the you know that they're that the story that's been told has not been something that's been. Uh, uh, that has grown in terms of how serious it is, and to make sure that uh, some of these instances uh, that the employer side did do something to uh, prevent it from happening again, so uh, you know both both sides of these know the rules very well, and both sides are going to uh, take a, uh, every effort that they can to prove their their point and that 's why we have you know a judicial system where a, a judge will hear all this stuff because uh, when you, when you get into the courtroom, that's where the decision is finally rendered.
0: Absolutely, and just to be clear, I, this the victim or the perpetrator um, can be a man or a woman. Yes, that's a boss true. Or an employee. Sometimes, an employee can sexually harass his or her supervisor.
1: Yeah one of the one of the the biggest cases that that occurred in uh, in Southern Nevada involved a uh, a man who was. Um, uh, who, who believed that he was being sexually harassed by a woman his his spouse had recently passed away, and uh, a lot of people knew that, but then uh, one of his coworkers uh, wanted to engage him in a romantic relationship uh, and was uh, very aggressive toward it finally uh, uh, you know he had had enough he made, he made some complaints to his supervisor. And the supervisor basically questioned his manhood. So it was one of those situations where he felt that there was no way that he could continue working for this company, and he ended up leaving. Well, that uh, also resulted in a a lawsuit that was filed uh, through the EEOC, and uh, it it, um, uh, resulted in a $75,000 settlement. So uh, this is one of those instances where certainly you need to know the rules or you could find yourself paying big bucks to uh, for the mistakes that you made.
0: Absolutely. And um, before we wrap up and move to a different topic, I know you hear it all the time in cases, well, the victim was asking for it because of how they presented him or herself what they were wearing. And I know you talked to at least one lawyer who said that was a particular pet peeve. Explain that and and what he meant, and if that happens more often here in Vegas.
1: Well, I, whether it happens more often in, in Las Vegas, it probably does. There are are many people who uh, who dress rather provocatively here. Just it's just the environment, the way Las Vegas is. People people uh, do do things a little bit differently. Uh, that's no excuse, though, of course, according to the law. So, you know, when, when an attorney uh, hears that type of a, of a defense or, or alleged defense, I guess you could call it, uh, they're going to call them on it, and they're going to, to actually uh, do everything they can to, um, uh, to, to show the absurdity of, of what has been stated and, uh, and defend their uh, employer as far as how they uh, handle the situation.
0: Excellent. Well, for our listeners who want to find out more about sexual ra- harassment here in Las Vegas and what employees' and employers' responsibilities are, they can visit uh, VegasInc.com or LasVegasSun.com to read more of our coverage. I'm here with Rick Velada. I'm Dylan Goldberg. This is Vegas Inc. Radio. We're part of Waking Up With The Sun every Monday at 7 a.m. on KUNV 91.5, The Source. We're going to shift on to tourism now. And I know last week you were one of hundreds of guests at a pretty impressive uh, show and extravaganza at the Smith Center that was meant to market Las Vegas. Tell us what you saw.
1: Well, it's actually pretty incredible. And if you think about it, there are um, dozens and dozens of, of entertainment options that are out there on the strip. So when you bring a group of people to Las Vegas to try to impress them, how do you how do you do that which show do you recommend that they go to well if you're the las vegas convention and visitors authority you bring the show to them instead and what they did uh and this was like a one time only situation was they brought uh about 12 acts from the las vegas strip some of the very prominent ones in fact and put them on stage uh in one day so um, if you if you can imagine seeing uh some acrobatic shows from Cirque du Soleil, and if you can imagine hearing Matt Goss, who's over at Caesar's Palace, or Frankie Moreno, or Clint Holmes, all on one on one stage—I mean that—that's incredible. Well, that's what happened at the opening of the IPW convention that was here in Las Vegas last week. IPW is a, kind of a a, a long-time uh, tourism. Uh, convention, and basically it's it's different than most because what they do is they set up meetings in advance. so basically, what you do is if you are a vendor of tourism, so for example, like our resorts, our tourist attractions here, you have a booth at IPW and then if you are a buyer of tourism products, you make contact with them and you actually set an appointment and in the on the convention floor. You hear a chime go off every 10 or 15 minutes or so, and that means that you're moving on to your next appointment. So it's very well organized, and this gives an opportunity for uh, vendors to be able to, to show what they have and to show what type of promotions they have, what kind of things that they can look forward to when they come out to them. And uh, then it uh, benefits the buyers because they're trying to put packages together to sell to consumers. And most of, these, uh, most of these organizations are from overseas, so there are a lot of international people here. Well, the international journalists come along because they want to get uh, a one-stop view of the entire United States, and you could do that over at the convention center. Uh, you could go to uh, some of the resorts in Las Vegas. You could go to resorts from Miami, or from uh, New York, or from Orlando. Any of those things, and it's all with, under one roof. Well, that that's pretty impressive in itself. But what Las Vegas has that these others do not have is the entertainment component, and we are the entertainment capital of the world. And that's what the LVC wanted to accomplish by having this big show at the Smith Center. By the way, the Smith Center was also on display, and people loved it. Uh, they they know that this is a, a good thing here. Uh, basically a neutral field for all these different entertainers, which is great.
0: Um, right, because you can't have it on the strip and, and, and choose one over the other. And, and, and in
1: addition to that, they had uh, food booths set up um, outside. Uh, Forty of the top chefs in town were providing uh, a brunch. So, the uh, uh, journalists got to chow down in addition to hearing some hearing and seeing some entertainment uh, the only The only downside to that was if you recall, that was a time when the uh, temperatures were climbing up towards uh, one hundred and ten, and so it was a little bit toasty outside, but uh, I think everybody uh, had a good time anyway and when uh, once they ate a few things, they went inside to the air conditioned uh, comfort of the Smith Center and watched all that entertainment.
0: Absolutely, poor chefs having to cook in that. <laughs> right. So, and this was hundreds and hundreds of people. It's thousands, right? Right. right. It
1: was uh, yes. For from uh, for, as far as the uh, the international journalist was concerned, uh, m- more than five hundred were there. So it was uh, uh, quite the showing and. Uh, even when I filed stories in the press room, I was hearing uh, languages from all over the world, which is kind of exciting. And, and the fact that it's happening here in our neighborhood is is great. Um, and if you missed it, by the way, uh, they're coming back in 2020. They like to spread it around, uh, and they're going to be going to Chicago next year. But uh, uh, the fact is, is that uh, their attendance this year was like the best they've ever had.
0: Well, who doesn't want to come to Vegas? Exactly Sorry, right, Chicago. That's exactly right.
1: <laughs> so, so of course, uh, you know all these numbers they're attributing to the fact of the Las Vegas factor. People want to come to this town because it's so much fun to come here, and um, as a result, they're going to come back in a few years and. Uh, um, Rossi Rollin cotter from the LVCVA VA so, said, "Well, we set all these records this year, and, and in 2020, we're going to break all those records again.
0: Good. And when was the last time it was here? Was it 10 years ago? Uh, before
1: approximately uh, approximately eight years ago, I believe it was. Uh, uh, but but it was here back in the in the late 90s." Uh, so I guess that's even more than ten years. I'm, I'm. Time flies. Yeah, it does. It does. But um, I've been to uh, I've been to like three of these, uh, including one in Anaheim. The one in Anaheim wasn't nearly as fun as the ones here.
0: <laughs> yeah, suck at <it>, Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and not only uh, you mentioned in your column that's in Vegas Inc. today that this is one of the f- first of several Las Vegas events that should. I mean, they're international in scope, but they should have a. Uh, side effect in boosting our tourism here locally. Yeah,
1: one of of the things that I found interesting, and this was documented by the U.S. Travel Association, is that the host city often gets about a 10% bump in tourism the following year. So uh, obviously we can't uh, expect anything uh, really big uh, for the rest of this year, but we'll be watching the numbers very closely next year. And, And as you pointed out, this was the first of four big events that uh, puts Las Vegas on an international stage there are some educational events that that are coming up for uh, specifically for uh, travel tour planners and then uh, there's one that uh, specializes specifically in Latin American uh, travel and then the one that I'm really excited about because I'm an airline geek is a, a convention called Routes and that will be here in uh, October And what that is is that all the airlines come in and it's basically the same kind of format as uh, IPW where the airlines sit down and then the different cities come around and say, hey, this is why you should be flying to Las Vegas because we have this and this and this. And then the uh, airlines evaluate and make decisions on where they're going to commit their flights. So um, obviously um, Las Vegas is trying to get more international lift. Right now, Asia is, a, is kind of a, a low point for us. We've only got one nonstop flight uh, to Asia uh, that, that runs four times a week. So I'm sure that uh, Las Vegas is going to put some emphasis on trying to get Asia uh, back to where it was uh, back uh, 12 years ago when we had, I think, uh, three airlines doing things at the same time. But um, that, will, uh, that will be important because, again, it puts Las Vegas on the, on the big stage and incidentally, uh, the Routes Conference, it's a worldwide conference, this will be the first time that they will have come to North America. So, uh, And they we, chose we've, Vegas. We've, we've got some, some big responsibilities here for the, for the rest of the continent.
0: Excellent. Well, I can't wait to hear how that goes. I know you'll be back on our show to keep us surprised of all the preparations that are getting in place for that. We'll do. Great. Well, thanks so much, Rick.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Dylan.
0: Rick Velada is a reporter for Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. You can follow his coverage at vegasinc.com or lasvegasun.com. You're listening to Vegas Inc. Radio, part of Waking Up With the Sun, at 7 a.m. Mondays on KUNV 91.5 The Source. Joining us now is Vegas Inc. and Sun reporter, Allison Socololo. Welcome, Allison. Hi. So you had a great uh, cover story on Vegas Inc. last week, or this week, it's on our cover right now, about an entrepreneur who's here now in Vegas trying to get his big break with a new sort of necktie. Mm-hmm. His name's Adam Lucero, and he's a former military pilot. First, let's start. Tell us a little bit about go-tie and what exactly it is.
2: Go-tie is actually um, this new invention that he created, it, and it's basically a tie that you don't have to tie. And um, it's There's two components, and I'm not very familiar with neckties because I don't wear them myself, but um, supposedly it shaves off about... 10 to 15 minutes on your morning routine like having to tie that tie and it's laborious and sometimes it's too long or it's too short but with the go tie apparently it just slips over and you're ready to go.
0: Excellent. And he's selling them for 39.99 mm-hmm. online and
2: how did he come up with this idea? He actually had a daydream while he was on a road trip from um, alabama to alaska and he was daydreaming that he was on the apprentice and that he was talking to donald trump and all of a sudden um donald trump pointed to his own tie and was like how can you make my tie better and so lucero kind of just jolted out of his daydream and he was like that's it that's my idea And that inspired him. He he spent a lot of time and money on this project. Yeah, he spent about, I think it was $35,000 of his own money. And um, he just spent it on patents and developing it and molds for the actual tie itself. And he really believed in his own idea. You you reported that he had to sell his beloved
0: Lamborghini to come up with the startup costs?
2: Yeah. That was his childhood dream to own a yellow Lamborghini and he had it. And then um to take care of the cost he had to sell it. But he has a uh, the official go tie Porsche now, so he's not hurting for his Lamborghini too much. <laughs> and by official go tie, what do you mean? Um it's actually a Porsche covered in chrome and it has Go Tie labels on the side and on the front. It's incredible. And how's he marketing his product? He's actually he has 3 commercials on YouTube as well as um, he's bought advertisements on Facebook and he's re- really just relying on word of mouth and people who approach him when they see his tie or he brings it up in a conversation.
0: And there's some people who are backing him. You, you wrote he recently got some angel investment
2: money, which uh, really allowed him to
0: step it up to the next level.
2: Yeah, he met um, Terry Sutter at a gym, that, and they shared a personal trainer. And Lucero just shared his idea, and he loved it and invested quite a big amount of money. At this point, close it's $250,000, mm-hmm.
0: which is pretty sizable.
2: Yeah, and with that money, Lucero actually went to China to see factories that could manufacture the tie, and he also um, fixed up his Porsche to become the go tie Porsche that it is now. So, Gotcha, and, and this is a
0: military guy. He doesn't have a fashion background, mm-hmm. um, but he's always tinkered with inventions.
2: Yeah, he actually worked on a gun cleaning kit, and um, some companies looked at... Uh, looked at it and liked the idea, but they didn't go forward with it. And he said that he had tried to um, invent a tent with a skylight in it, and he's just been inventing things since he was a child.
0: That's pretty incredible. And he was a military pilot uh, based in Colorado, but you said that uh, he moved to Las Vegas to launch the company? Yes, in
2: March. And why Las Vegas? He said that he really liked the eclectic group of people here and um, there's so many tourists and just people who need ties in general here. So he thought it was a good launching pad for him. Absolutely. Are you going to buy one for your dad father's day? Yeah, it's actually his birthday today. And oh, happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, father's day is right around the corner. So why not? <laughs> awesome. And and he's gotten several thousands of likes and he's sold some ties so far. Yeah, he sold a few on his website and um he has about two thousand something likes, and I feel I think he just started his Facebook page a few weeks ago. So
0: awesome! Well, you'll have to keep us posted, and best of luck to Adam, and hopefully, it'll be an entrepreneurial success story um, that we'll talk about again years from now. Yep. Great. Well, thank you so much, Allison. Thank you. Allison Ciccolo is a reporter for Vegas, Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. You can follow her coverage and all our coverage at VegasInc.com and LasVegasSun.com. This is Vegas, Inc. Radio, part of Waking Up with the Sun. We're here every Monday at 7 a.m. on KUNV 91.5 The Source. I'm your host, Dylan Goldberg, business editor of Vegas, Inc., Thanks to Steven Zeller, our producer, and the entire KUNV team. And thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your day.